Welcome to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. For free rankings, player values, waiver wire tips, and trade advice, follow him online at dynastyfreaks.com or email dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. Hello and greetings from Austin, Texas. Welcome all of you Dynasty Freaks. Admit it, you're addicted to Dynasty. I am too. My name is Justin Christopher and I'm a Dynasty Freak, which means I love drafting and trading and scouting and managing all of my teams 365 days a year. So to you, so let's talk some Dynasty on episode number 213. It's the week 16 review. Start off just by saying Merry Christmas. I hope that you enjoyed football and family uh, this last weekend as I did. Still have some family in town, so a little shorter podcast today. But it sure was fun to have a full slate of games on Christmas Eve and three on Christmas Day. The games are definitely less exciting than the previous weeks have been. Uh, but every game's exciting when you're following your fantasy players, particularly when you're in the playoffs and it's win or go home, right? I'm still alive in three of my semifinal games, but the games are really going to be decided on a Monday night. I'm recording this on Monday afternoon. I have a 70% chance of winning two of my games and a 30% chance of the other. So it's going to be a fun night on Monday night to watch my teams try to make the Super Bowl in three of my nine dynasty leagues. We'll see what happens. Enough about my teams, though. After following all the Week 16 games, I hear some quick observations from a dynasty perspective. Again, making it brief this week because I've got family in town and it's the holidays. Uh, first thing, uh, observation would just be the winter weather. Uh, the weather was uh, this week's story for sure, as most of half the games were affected by wintry weather. Uh, the week started off with a rainy game in New York, which stifled the performance of the Jets and Jags, all those players, or at least the players not named Evan Ingram. Uh, though Zach Wilson, you could argue, he was the one that stifled the Jets more than the weather did. I'm afraid his day, his uh, days are numbered from a dynasty perspective, that's for sure. Cleveland then hosted the Saints in the coldest game in the team's history, which is pretty crazy to think about how many cold games they've been in Cleveland over the years. The coldest game in their history, and it amounted in what was leading up to the game the lowest over-under in more than 14 years. I heard that on several different podcasts. It was over-under was 31, and they hit the under, only scoring 27. Pretty wild. Uh, Saturday games were then capped with a weather game where Derek Carr played predictably awful against Pittsburgh in the cold and in the rain where teams combined for only 23 points total. So all that to say, the weather was like an equal opportunity destroyer, we'll call it, you know, kind of affecting the fantasy outputs of so many players, making the holiday weekend full of, let's say, less cheer than usual for dynasty managers in the playoffs. The winter weather was definitely a factor this week. Uh, Next observation I'll say is I'll just call them the Pouncing Panthers. Uh, The Panthers are pouncing and now have control of their own destiny to make the playoffs by winning the NFC South, which is a pretty bad division, but they still have a chance to do it. They start off by playing the Buccaneers next week. We'll see what happens. Steve Wilkes uh, deserves credit for the team's turnaround and really could earn the job permanently if he continues to win. The Panthers uh, blew out the Red Hot Lions, who everyone was kind of their darling pick here the last couple weeks, but they blew them out 37-23, to but it really wasn't even that close. They pounded the Lions, you know, what had been a really stout run defense for 320 yards on the ground, including career-high rushing yards for both Devontae Foreman, Deontay Foreman and Chuba Hubbard. Unbelievable. 165 yards for Foreman, 125 for Hubbard, respectively. Crazy. Uh, after, you know, pot talk, talking on the podcast last week about Hubbard had really taken over the lead from Foreman and Foreman couldn't be relied on, then they go around this week and Foreman out-touches Hubbard nearly 2-1. to one. Sam Darnold, too, he's actually helped the team. Uh, he's connected with G- DJ Moore for a touchdown for the second week in a row. You know, it's going to be interesting to see what the Panthers do because Darnold's contract expires at the end of this season. So does Foreman's. So they're doing all they can right now, those two, to try to prove that they are worth re-signing. 
just as their interim head coach, Steve Wilkes. Congratulations for him. Panthers are uh, pouncing. Next observation was kind of fun, as I'll call it, Iowa boys go off. Iowa boys go off. That's George Kittle and TJ Hawkinson. Both went off and single-handedly won their dynasty manager's games, most likely. Kittle's gone ballistic the last two weeks with 23 and 30-point games from the, in the fantasy playoffs. He's always capable of such you know game-winning performances, uh, but they've been too far and few between this last year, particularly. I don't think it's any coincidence that had his two biggest games of the year occurred when Debo Samuel was out with an injury. Uh, Kittle, I think, needs Samuel off the field to become the top-targeted player like he was this week. Hawkinson, though, uh, he scored two points more than Kittle this week after a season-best 32-point game. Uh, he's been a vital part of the offense since he was traded to the Vikings, and averaging more than 10 targets per game. That's amazing for a tight end, especially, making him, of course, the second most targeted player behind Justin Jefferson. Uh, his dynasty value has risen significantly after this trade, and now, after this week, he's going to be the second highest scoring tight end in the league, behind only, of course, Travis Kelsey. But he's two spots ahead of Kittle, who's now going to be the fourth highest scoring tight end of the season after these two great games for him. These Iowa boys, Iowa boys, they're uh, carrying dynasty teams in the playoffs, and they really are top-tier dynasty assets. I need to move Hawkinson up. I hadn't really paid attention to his targets, that he was getting more than 10 targets a game since he's been traded. He got 16 this last week. Uh, Hawkinson needs to go move way up in the dynasty rankings, earning back that value, that first-round value that he was uh, many years ago. Next, I'll call it the future is bright number one. And I'm referring first here to the Steelers. The Steelers played in one of the low-scoring weather-affected games, but they gave their dynasty managers who, you know, a lot to look forward to in their future with their young talent. Uh, Kenny Pickett looked respectable, respectable again, coming back from his injury to start again. Uh, what's best, though, from dynasty perspectives was witnessing his connection with George Pickens and Pat Fryermuth, uh, connecting with Pickens for a touchdown, and then Fryermuth leading the team with seven, uh, seven uh, catches. So Najee Harris, you know, had a mediocre game from a fantasy perspective, but it was still nice to see that he was heavily involved in the offense with 18 carries and six catches. And then there's Jalen Warren. He continues to look great when he's given a series, you know, he gives kind of a whole series and gets to spell Harris multiple series during the game and always looks good. I think the Steelers, you know, have improved as this season's progressed and actually have a chance to make the playoffs now, especially if they can beat the struggling Ravens. Um, in the game that the NFL just moved to the next Sunday night, got, got moved to Sunday night. It's going to be a tight one. All that say, Dynasty managers really have a lot to be excited about in the future of these young players on the Pittsburgh roster. Pretty exciting. I know I'm glad that I have some shares of Fryermuth and Pickens, though I don't have any of Kenny Pickett. Next, I'll say uh, something similar. Future is bright number two. Pittsburgh's not the only team with young players that are improving. The Falcons have two of their own. Uh, Drake London has looked the part of a wide receiver one the last two weeks with Desmond Ritter in at quarterback, receiving a season-high season seven catches in each of the last two games, seven in each. At the same time, Tyler Algier has received his season-high in carries with 17 two weeks ago and then 18 carries this last week. Uh, the Young's Falcon, Young Falcons offense was kept out of the end zone on Saturday by the very tough Ravens defense, but they fought hard, and they gave dynasty managers a little bit of hope for their future. As for Ritter, uh, the verdict is definitely still out on him and his dynasty stock, but he improved significantly in his second start. He completed 67% of his passes this week compared to 50% last week, and his uh, average yards per completion was 6.6 .6 per completion, where last week it was a dreadful uh, 3.7, so he nearly doubled up on that as well. It's quite an improvement after one week. If the Falcons continue to lose, though, they're going to find themselves in a position to draft another quarterback, so I'm tempering my hope for Ritter, while I'm, you know, keeping my, my hopes uh, modest for Algier 
and then my hope is very, very high for Drake London to be a future wide receiver one and even a uh, possible first-round pick in startup drafts here uh, in the next year. Next, I'll say a different bent, not, not that the future is looking bright. I'll say the future is looking pretty uncertain because another rookie quarterback got his chance to prove himself at the end, at the end of the season, and he's going to get to you for the next couple weeks after Ryan Tannehill um, surprisingly had an ankle surgery at the end of last week. That gave Malik Willis his first start of the season, and on Saturday, uh, they, his first start, they lost to the worst team in the league, the Houston Texans. Uh, Willis's start was about as bad as Ritter's first start last week, he only had 99 yards passing uh, with two interceptions. As expected, though, from Willis, he provided fantasy points with his legs. He ran for 43 yards and a touchdown, giving him 10 fantasy points on the ground. But if you take away his production running, he would have actually scored negative points in the passing department because 99 yards passing, depending on how much your league charges you know, for interceptions, even if it was just two points for minus interceptions and 25 yards per, per point, he would have had a negative score just in the passing department. Unlike the Falcons, I don't think the Titans are going to be in position to draft a quarterback in this class, and they do have Tannehill under contract for another year. So unless Willis you know, drastically improves over the last two weeks of the season, or maybe if they sneak into the playoffs, um, he's going to be Tannehill's backup for one more year, I think, causing dynasty managers who are hopeful for him uh, just to keep him as a backup quarterback on the roster and super flex leagues, certainly, but even in one quarterback leagues, he's a guy that everyone just wants to see if he can improve. Unfortunately, I think he's going to have to be a backup quarterback for another year at least, um, but he's got a chance to prove himself these next couple. And speaking of quarterbacks, one of my last um, last observations, I was just kind of thinking about the future, and I'll call it the quarterback carousel. Atlanta and Tennessee are among the teams that could have different uh, quarterbacks on their team like I just talked about, but I predict that there's just going to be a total quarterback carousel this season with four or five quarterbacks likely to get drafted in the first round of the NFL draft and starters, many of which uh, NFL starters right now are in the last year of their contract or have cheap buyout options in their contracts, I think many teams are going to have fresh faces on their teams next year. And many career starters are going to have to now accept backup roles. The quarterback carousel worked out for the Buccaneers three years ago when they signed Tom Brady, worked out for the Rams two years ago when they signed Matt Stafford, but this season, nearly all the quarterbacks that landed with new teams failed. Think about it. Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan, Baker Mayfield, Mick Trubisky, Russell Wilson. They all have failed with their new teams. And I think except for Wilson, just because of how much he's being paid, the rest are just going to be backups. They need to accept that they're going to be career backups. As for the other quarterbacks that are starters, Lamar Jackson, he's sure to get a deal done, even though he's in his last year of his deal. Then there's Geno Smith and Daniel Jones. They, I think, proved enough to re-sign with Seattle and the Giants, but Seattle has Denver's first-round pick, and so I think they're likely still going to draft a quarterback even if they re-sign Smith. I think next year the following teams are likely to have new quarterbacks. The Jets, Saints, Panthers, Falcons, Texans, Commanders, Cardinals, Buccaneers, Seahawks, and Raiders. That's like 30% of the league. So I could be wrong, but I believe that Brady's going to retire. I think the Raiders and Commanders are going to buy out the contracts of Wentz and Carr, I think Kyler Murray is not going to be healthy enough to start the season. And I think the Texans, the Falcons, the Panthers, the Seahawks, and Jets are among the teams that are going to draft quarterbacks. We all know that quarterbacks cause the dynasty value of their players you know, to rise and fall just because so much depends on your, your quarterback. And this year, I think the quarterback market is going to get shaken up pretty good, really. And super flex leagues, that makes you nervous because so much could change and you get players that you think you have the safe starting quarterbacks are not going to be. I know one of my... Um, 
I was part of a dispersal draft this last year where three teams kind of entered this dispersal draft. Superflex League, I chose to go scrubs at quarterback, and I got Matt Ryan and Carson Wentz to be my starters in the Superflex League. Needless to say, you can see how that looks now. Pretty terrible situation. I think that's going to happen to a lot more players during this offseason. Last thing that I'll mention is just uh, for Grins, just a couple uh, waiver wire ideas and players that you might still add if your waiver wires are still open like they should be. Here's a few players that I'd be thinking about from a dynasty perspective. Uh, not any great ones, but a few that I wanted to at least mention here to get on your radar. One would be Shane Zilstra. <laughs> I have to consider adding Zilstra to all my teams after his three-touchdown performance on Sunday. That was pretty frustrating, watching the Detroit Lions continue to throw touchdown passes to not guys like Amonra St. Brown, but to some guy named Zilstra. Well, this week he actually led the team in snaps for the first time this season, and he had six targets. Um, he's in the final year of his contract, so his future's pretty uncertain with Detroit, uh, but he's the player that I'm most willing to take a shot on this week, even if just to kind of hold him on the off, off hold him through the offseason to see what the Lions do with the position. They may fill the hole, you know, you know that they they created when they traded away Hawkinson. They might fill it with a free agent this offseason, but they may re-sign Zilster too. If he proves, you know, that he can do something at the end of the season like he did this week, uh, he's, you know, bottom of the roster type of guy that I might consider adding. Similarly, I would add uh, Jordan Akins in that same uh, same vein. Houston continues to rotate their tight ends. It literally is like a different tight end every week that leads the team in snap counts. Uh, but this this time, uh, Akins was the definitive leader in targets, though. And over the season, he's actually been the definitive leader in targets, even though he's about even snap-wise with several other guys. Uh, he has 43 targets compared to Brevin Jordan. It's uh, 24. Both of those numbers could be better, but the Texans... And the Texans will make changes next season. Um, Aikens is also in the last year of his contract, so he may not be worth you know, adding to your team. So he's not a must-add this week, but he's a player that I consider adding in deep leagues or tight end premium leagues for sure. Finally, one more player to mention would be Trenton Irwin. Uh, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and Tyler Boyd are all under contract in 2023. So I'm hesitant to add Irwin to all of my rosters, but I consider adding him in very deep leagues. Uh, he scored three touchdowns the last three weeks, including two this week. Comes up out of nowhere, stealing touchdowns from, from Jamar Chase and, and the guys. At least T. Higgins got one. Uh, he's the qu- clear wide receiver three when he was the clear wide receiver three when Chase was injured. And, you know, he's really going to be kind of, I think, the guy that would start if any of those guys are injured. So anytime next season when Chase, Higgins, or Boyd get injured, uh, Irwin's going to be the guy that comes in. And uh, I think that they've um, shown a lot of confidence in him and have been throwing in the ball more than you would expect. Uh, he's uh, under contract for one more year, too. So he's a player that I consider adding in super deep leagues. I know I already picked him up and added him to my team a week ago in a 14-team league that I'm a part of. That's the kind of league where I might consider adding someone like Irwin. All right, Christmas edition, day after Christmas. Hope you guys have a good Monday night. I hope I have a good Monday night. This will come out to you on Tuesday morning, and hopefully that means we're all in the fantasy Super Bowl. If not, stay freaky. Be a, be a dynasty freak and stay active. Because even when you're losing, you're winning. That's a wrap for this week, my freaky friends. Thanks so much for listening. Make it a two-way conversation anytime by contacting me at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. That's dynastyfreaks with two E's. I'm much better on email than I am with Twitter or any other social media platform. So email me. Love to talk with you. I'd be honored if you take time to rate and review the podcast and Apple Podcasts. That would mean a lot to me as well. Thanks so much for listening. I appreciate your support. I do want to become your most trusted, independent voice in the Dynasty landscape. Until next time, you know what to do in the go out in the playoffs. You need to go out there and get freaky.
Thanks for listening to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. We welcome your thoughts and advice. Let us know what you'd like to hear on the podcast or see on the website to help you dominate your league. Justin prides himself in responding to every email, so hit him up anytime at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com and follow him on Twitter at LonghornJustin. Justin.